it's the big D word. Everybody talks about it, but I don't know if people truly understand what it means when it comes to the stock market. And that word is diversification. I'm going to be breaking down the three types of diversification that no one's really talking about. Let's get into it. You're listening to the Money, Markets, and Mindset Podcast, where it's all about learning how to have your money work hard for you instead of you working hard for it. And now your host, stock market coach and options trader, Jason Brown. Hey, welcome back to another edition of the Money, Markets, and Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Brown, and we're talking about diversification today, specifically specifically the three types of diversification that no one talks about, or at least they don't talk about it with you. And when you think about diversification, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Typically, when you think about diversification, someone's telling you, you know, spread your money around, diversify, just uh, buy a bunch of different stocks so that you can have diversification. Or sometimes people are telling you to diversify, but they're not actually explaining what does that mean. And so I want to break down not the traditional diversification, which is just buy a bunch of stuff, buy some stocks, buy some bonds, buy some CDs. You're kind of just mixing and matching stuff. And you are just hoping that at the end of the day, uh, you get some type of return, which is typically an average or a mediocre return. And I want to talk to you about how to potentially supercharge those returns and still have the power of diversification. And that's what this is about today. So let's talk about the first one. And this is one that we teach our students inside of Power Trades University. We, we had a session last night, and that is diversification by using sectors. And if you're not familiar with sector, a, a sector is a collection of stocks or a sector is basically a category that a collection of stocks fall under. So, for example, you think about Facebook, you think about Apple, you think about Google, they all fall under the tech sector. And so the way that you can invest in a sector is through something called an ETF. And an ETF is just an exchange traded fund. That's what those letters stand for. And the reason that an ETF is very powerful with respect to diversification is that an ETF is based off a sector. So the XLK, for example, is the technology sector. And inside of the XLK, again, you'll find the Facebook, you'll find the Googles, you'll find the Apple, you'll find the Amazon. And what's powerful about that is instead of you just trying to pick which one of those stocks is the best, like, okay, I'm just going to put all my money in Facebook, or I'm going to put all my money in Google, you can buy the XLK and you can invest in the tech sector, which it'll have a percent weighting of those stocks. So Facebook might be 18%, Apple might be 16% weighting, Google might be 11% weighting in that uh, XLK inside of that inside that sector. And so the power the power in going for a sector versus an individual stock and still getting the power of diversification is that. If the sector is moving, so if tech is hot right now, instead of you having some money, the traditional way, say, I'm going to buy some tech stock, I'm going to buy some utility stocks, I'm going to buy some CDs, I'm going to buy some bonds. 
Well, if CDs and bonds are not really moving right now, not producing a high rate of return, then you just kind of have your money divided up into multiple categories and maybe you're not even sure why. But if the tech sector itself is moving as a as a collective, as a whole in a certain direction, the power of the ETF is that you can participate in the tech movement and not necessarily have to pick the best stock because there are some stocks in there that may be doing good. There are some stocks in there that may not be doing so well, but you get the benefit of the entire sector uh, moving up in, in one direction. And so you're diversified in the sense that you have multiple stocks, but they're in the same sector. So let me talk about the pros and the cons, because you may be thinking, okay, well, that sounds pretty interesting. And so here's the pros. You're, you, you, know, you have no exposure to one specific stock. So that's a pro. So when you talk about diversification, if Facebook itself has a bad day, you still have Google in there. You have Amazon in there. You may have um, Apple in there. So you have other stocks. It's probably about 40 uh, stocks or something like that, maybe more in there. And so you have the benefit of if one stock has a bad day, the rest of them perhaps are having a good day or a bad week and the rest of them are having a good week. And so the rising tide of the rest of them having a good day lifts your portfolio or lifts your uh, investments in the positive direction. And so you're not exposed to one stock just announcing news or missing earnings. And then, you know, all your eggs was in that one basket per se. Now, you're also able to take advantage of the hot sectors without the pressure of picking, you know, one stock, which we just talked about. And so if if you notice that there is a trend or an industry that is moving, like maybe cannabis or something like that, there isn't a cannabis sector. But uh, if there was, instead of you trying to pick the best cannabis stock, for example, you may just buy the sector and say, you know, with legalization, different things happening, I just want to be in this industry or in this sector. So you have the ability to be in the sector and in the game without necessarily picking that one specific um, hot stock or the best stock that you can invest in or trade. Now, the other pro or benefit of trading ETFs is that you can actually trade options on ETFs. So here's what's really cool about it. Even though you're buying a collection of stocks, you can actually trade options on them as if you were buying an individual stock. So you can trade calls, you can trade puts, you can do some of the advanced stuff. Um, it works as if you own a single share of stock. And that's a pretty powerful thing. In fact, at the uh, moment of recording this, for example, the XLK is trading for $68.29. And let me put that in perspective for you. If you were to buy one share of Google, one share of Google is $1,125. But you could buy the XLK which contains Google, which contains Facebook, which contains Amazon, and you can pay 60, uh, like I said, $68 and about 26 cents. So you see the difference there versus you saying, uh, man, I wish I could participate in Google, but I don't have a thousand dollars a share, but you could ride the coattail of that sector and buy the ETF at $68.26 and own a percentage of Google, a percentage of Facebook, 
a percentage of Amazon. So that's a really sweet benefit. And then you can trade the individual options of those sectors. So you get the benefit of the stock without having to come up with the full amount for certain stocks. And then you can trade those options and and really either supercharge your potential profit or do some of the advanced stuff that we'll talk about here shortly. So those are some of the benefits of diversifying by using an ETF. Now let's talk about some of the cons because you may be thinking, well, what's the downside to doing that? And so the con may be that the ETF may not move as fast as one individual stock. So that may be, um, you know, I guess you can call it the downside. And what I mean by that is, let's just say, we'll stick with the example of the XLK here. So we'll stick with the technology sector. And let's just say that inside of the technology sector, Apple had a good day, which, you know, they did recently. Uh, they, they announced their earnings and they kind of blew it out of the water and the stock popped. Now, when Apple, when that stock jumped up, with respect to the XLK, you technically, you wouldn't have gotten, when Apple moved like 10 bucks, the XLK did not move 10 bucks. And so Apple is about, I believe it's like 11% of the XLK. And so that just simply means if Apple moves 10 bucks, the XLK, the portion of that $10 that contributed to the XLK moving higher was $1 because Apple is a 10% weight. I'm using that as an example. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but let's just assume Apple's a a 10% weight of the XLK. Then when Apple moved $10, in fact, I, I just pulled it up. Apple is actually a 16% weight. And so when Apple moved $10, $1.60 of that contributed to the XLK potentially moving higher. However, if, you know, Microsoft I'm looking at has a 17% weighting in the XLK. So let's just say if Microsoft failed $10, then Microsoft would contribute to a $1.70 of the XLK going down. And if Apple went up 10 bucks, uh, the XLK, it would contribute $1.60 to the XLK going up. So you put those two together, $1.70 down, $1.60 up, you basically down 10 cents in the XLK. And so that may be a con to somebody. Someone may say, I would have rather just went in and picked Apple specifically. But then again, you don't have the benefit of diversification there. So that may be a con to someone. You don't get the full move as you do with an individual stock. Say, man, had I had Apple, I would have made the entire $10. However, uh, you know, on the flip side though, you get the benefit of multiple stocks being up and down. So you get the average return of all of those collectively. So you're kind of never left in the dark because if Apple falls 10 bucks, you're going to wish that wasn't the only stock you have. But that may be a con. You don't get the bullish move uh, of an individual stock that you may have gotten if you just owned it by itself. The other thing is the sector may not provide safety if the entire sector is facing headwinds. So for example, with the Trump uh, trade war and the issues going on with China, there were some 
concerns that because a lot of the technology companies get a lot of their parts from China, they're importing their chips from China and different things like that. With the tariffs and the trade war, there was concern that companies may not have been able to order chips or get them at the same price, or they're going to pay a higher tariff for bringing them back into the U.S. And so now all of the tech stock companies were facing a headwind or going down. So that entire sector was going down. So if the entire sector is under fire or facing some type of uh, headwind, like a trade war or something like that, then it may not provide protection. However, that's when you would look at possibly switching out of that sector and then moving over to a sector that is not affected by trade war like utilities, for example, because we don't get gas or electricity or water um, from China. So you just have to think about, you know, it, it the sector provides you diversification in the sense that you're not going to have one individual stock. But if all of the stocks are in the same industry or sector and that sector is having an issue, then the diversification is a little skewed, meaning, you know, some stocks may be doing well, some may be doing bad, but the entire sector as a whole is doing bad. So it could pull you down. But again, that's when you would switch out, look for a different sector to move your money into. Now, let's talk about diversification. The second diversification strategy that no one's talking about is the diversification of using options with your investment. Most people, when they think about investing, they think about only buying stock. And if you've been through any of my, my seminars or my webinars, my trainings, you know that I talk about the problem with only buying stock is you make money if the stock goes one way, typically, in which way is that? That's right. If the stock goes up, that's it. And so that can be a problem when you're talking about just buying stock, even if you're diversified with buying stock, like, OK, I'm going to buy some uh, you know, some tech stocks, some real estate stock, couple bonds, couple this, couple that, whatever the case may be, you typically only make money if it goes one way, which is up. So sometimes I kind of think that's funny that uh, someone calls that or considers that diversification because, and it, I guess you have to dive deeper and say, well, what type of diversification are you looking for? Because yes, you spread your money around to multiple different stocks. But in theory, you only make money if it goes one way, which is up. So from a strategy standpoint, you're not diversified because if you've been to my seminars, like I was saying, then you know that I talk about the stock market can go three ways. It can go up, which is the way that most people know how to make money, but it can always also go sideways, meaning uh, let's say you bought Ford stock 20 years ago. It's trading for 10 bucks. You fast forward to today, it's trading for 10 bucks. That means it went sideways. It basically did nothing. If you held it for 20 years and you woke up, maybe you got paid a dividend or something, but you didn't get any appreciation for the capital that you put up 20 years ago. And so the stock can go sideways. And then we all know the stock can go down. So just buying stock is not necessarily um, diversification from a standpoint of strategy, which is how do you make money if the market goes sideways or down? And so this options, uh, being able to sell calls or, or buy calls and buy puts, um, this is a diversification strategy that not many people are talking about. And let me give you, let me give, let's go deeper with this for a second. 
there's a there's a strategy that I call my rental income strategy. So if you own stock, you can actually rent your stock out to other people. You can sell call options against your stock and you can bring in what I call rental income. And when I say rental income, I'm talking anywhere between 500, 1000, $2,000 sometimes that you can bring in on a monthly basis and actually uh, bring that money into your account and then get paid what I call for waiting, right? It's like you're getting paid to wait 30 days. And then if you're not called away from the stock, you get to do it all over again. Now I'll explain what that means in a second, but you can sell options against your stock. And then the, the, the beauty of that is if the stock goes sideways, meaning it doesn't go up, you get to keep that 500 to $2,000. I'm just using that as a loose number. We'd have to see what stocks you own and what the options are going for. But the point is, if the stock goes sideways, that's one strategy that you can make money from a stock actually doing nothing. And then if the stock goes down, you still actually get to keep that 500 to a $2,000. And so that's one strategy uh, that can diverse. That's a diversification strategy that can help your portfolio and help your investing to safeguard against the market not only going up because we know that it doesn't always go up. The other diversification option strategy is you can use put options to protect your portfolio and even profit in downtimes. And so that's another one that doesn't get as much attention as it should. And I want you to think about a put option like this. Think about a put option as insurance. So if you own $100,000 worth of stock in your portfolio, so you own uh, maybe a thousand shares at a hundred bucks. Does that make sense? You own a thousand shares at a hundred bucks. That is a hundred thousand dollar portfolio. So if you own a thousand shares at a hundred dollars, you could buy a $90 put, for example. And what that simply means is you can force somebody to buy your stock from you at $90. What that does is it's like buying an insurance policy. So let's just say that's going to cost you. I'm just throwing a number out here. Let's just say that costs you $500. Okay. Or let's just, let's go crazy. Let's just say it costs you $5,000. Okay. So, so out of your $100,000 portfolio, let's just say you have the right to protect it at $90 and it'll cost you $5,000. So what does this mean? Let's break it down. You own a thousand shares at a hundred bucks. You paid $5,000 for an insurance policy that says, hey, at $90, I can force somebody to buy my stock from me. And what happens is if a catastrophe happens for a certain period of time, if a catastrophe happens, let's just say your stock falls down to 60 bucks. Okay. Let's just can a stock sell off $30? Absolutely, right? And so if that stock were to sell off $30 and fall down to 70, well, you can force somebody to buy it from you at 90, even though it's selling at 70. That's correct. Because they they agreed to that when they um, sold you that put option for $5,000. So they took in $5,000. They said, thank you very much. And you said, no problem. But in the event that my stock falls below $90, I can come and force you to buy it. And when you think about how that insurance option works, if you didn't have it, you would lose $30,000 because if you own 100,000 shares, I'm sorry, if you own 1,000 shares 
at $100 and it fell to 70, you lost $30,000. But if you had that insurance for $5,000, the stock fell from 100 to 70, you can force them to buy it at 90. So what did you really lose? You lost the difference between $100 and $90, which is $10. If you own 100,000 shares, you lost 10. I mean, if you own 1,000 shares, I'm trying to give you 100,000 shares. If you lost uh, $10 between 100 and 90, right? So it fell $10. You got 1,000 shares. So you actually lost 10,000, but then you paid 5,000 for the insurance. So even though the stock fell down to 70, you were locked in at 90. So you never lost more than $10. So if you really just simplify what I just said, you basically were able to reduce your risk or reduce your loss by 50% just by buying insurance against your stock. And when you think about, you know, where does this happen at every day? This happens in the auto industry, which we'll talk about in a minute. So let me get to the pros and the cons, because that's going to lead me into uh, my next discussion about where does this happen at every day? So let's talk about the pros of that. Okay. The pros of that is when you're uh, buying call options or selling call options against stock you own, the, the pros is that you can get additional income. You can get paid for waiting. You can get paid even if your stock uh, falls down because you get to keep that premium because you sold options, you rented it out. So I call that my rental income strategy. You also get the peace of mind of knowing that you can generate income in any market condition, which is probably the most powerful thing that you can feel about yourself is like no matter what the stock market throws at me, I have some true diversification strategies and not just a diversification in the sense that the market still needs to go up, but I have diversification strategies. That way, if the market goes sideways or down, that's the key. I can still make money. And then typically you can increase your annualized returns. I mean, can you imagine if the stock that you own, you were renting it out month after month after month, making an extra 500 to $2,000 every single month? That's anywhere between an extra 6000 to, you know, $24,000 a year on top of whatever your portfolio does. Uh, so those are some of the benefits of potentially doing it. Now, you have to learn how it works. Um, you won't just leave this podcast and be like, OK, I'm going to go out and do that. Um, you have to understand how options work, understand what selling and out of the money option is. You have to understand at what point uh, will your stock get called away? And that leads me to the cons. Um, your stock can get called away from you. So what does that mean? That just means someone could call you up and say, hey, I want the stock. So for let me let me give you an example. Let's stick with that. Uh, you own a thousand shares at one hundred dollars. And let's just say you rent your stock out at one hundred and ten. So the stock's trading for one hundred dollars. But you say, hey, you can buy it from me at one hundred and ten dollars between now and 30 days. Well, if your stock moves up to one hundred and twelve Someone's going to come knocking on your door and say, hey, I want to pick up the stock at 110 because they can turn around and sell it on the open market for 112. And so if this is a stock that, oh, I really didn't want to sell my stock, it could get called away from you. But the benefit of that is you owned it at 100 and someone called it away from you at 110. So you may have gotten paid $2 or $2,000 for that. 
plus the difference between where you own it and where they called it away. So if you own it at 100, they called it away at 110. You still made $10,000 plus the $2,000. So you made about $12,000. So still not a bad day. But if it was for some reason you had an emotional attachment to that stock and you really didn't want to sell it, uh, you you know, you you could be, I guess, upset that it got called away from you. But I think you'll get over it. You just made $12,000 plus you could always go back and buy the stock at the current price. So if it's trading for 112 or 113 or 115, you can turn around and buy the stock back at 115 and you now own it at 115. But keep in mind, you just made $12,000. So if you do the math, you, you technically own the stock at 103. Does that make sense? So you have to understand the math and the numbers. So even though I'm saying that's a con, it's not really a con. If the stock gets called away from you, it means typically that you made money and you also made a little bit of an additional money by selling the option and getting paid to wait. So that could be a con, but it's a con that actually would end up being a positive. The other con could be uh, when it comes to put options, if you're buying a put option as insurance, like uh, insurance on a car, a put option could go without being used and it could expire. So let's break it down. Let's go back to the example where you have a thousand shares at a hundred dollars and you bought a $90 put option for $5. So it's about $5,000 you spent. Well, if the stock does not fall below $90 within a certain time frame. So let's just say you had a three month put option. So you had three months of insurance or protection. Well, if at the end of three months, if your stock is above $90, that put option that you bought is going to expire worthless. And so that $5,000 of insurance that you bought, it's just going to be worthless. And then if you want insurance again, you'll have to spend another $5,000. Now, We do this every single month. And that's what most people don't understand. You're already playing this game. And where do you play this game in in life? Right now, you're playing this game with your car. So you have maybe, you know, let's say you drive a nice little Mercedes Benz or something, a a Bentley, I don't know, whatever you're, you're driving. Maybe you just drive a, you know, a Taurus, a GM car, doesn't matter. Take whatever the price of that car is. You scratch a check every single month for insurance. Okay. What you don't realize is that the insurance company is making you buy a put option. The bank that loans you the money for that car, they're making you buy a put option every single month. And what that put option is saying to them is this $100,000 car, if for some reason you're texting and driving, you run a red light or for no no fault of your own, if you tear this $100,000 car up, They're saying, hey, we're protected, not you. You're sort of protected, but the the true person that's protected is the bank because they loaned you the money to get that car. And until you pay it off, they're saying, how can I protect myself against you, the the consumer? And so what's nice about it is the bank isn't buying the put option. They're forcing you to buy a put option for them. So they're forcing you to buy protection against yourself for them, which is even a brilliant, more brilliant business model. Instead of them buying the insurance, they're making you buy it. And so if you tear that car up, guess who the check goes to first? Not to you, not to the collision shop. The check goes first 
to the bank who loans you the money. And then it's like, okay, how much to get this fixed or how much to, uh, if the car is a total or, or it has to get totaled out or replaced, they take their money first and then you get what's left because you didn't technically pay for that car yet. And so we, we, we do this every single month, but what happens if you pay your insurance this month and you don't get an accident? Do you get a refund? Do you get that money back? No. Next month, you have to cut another check for insurance. And so it's the same thing with the stock market. If you have $100,000, $200,000 worth of assets, or even $50,000, doesn't matter. You have the ability to buy insurance against those assets. But if the market doesn't crash or the stock doesn't fall, after a certain expiration date, that option expires worthless. But if you had put options on your account when the trade war and all that stuff happened during like October, November of 2018, you would have been glad that you had that protection and you could have potentially made some money on the downside when, when things fail. Uh, but the con again could be that like, oh, I bought this insurance and I didn't use it, but I want you to change your thinking because you're doing this every single month anyway. And so you need to start thinking, how can I be the bank? How can I protect my money like the bank? How can I buy insurance against my portfolio? And how can I potentially even make money from the stock falling? And so again, that's a strategy that no one's really talking about. That's a diversification component that is so essential because the market doesn't only go up, it goes sideways and it goes down. Now, the third diversification strategy that no one's talking to you about is using advanced option strategies such as spreads, iron condors, um, strangles, straddles, different things like that. Now, if you are not familiar with those terms, don't worry. Is a reason why I said they're advanced option strategies. If you haven't mastered the basic cause and put, you might be like, what in the world is an iron condor? Isn't that a bird, right? What's a strangle or a straddle? Like, are they fighting or having sex? Like, what in the world is a strangle or a straddle? Sounds like something kinky, but it, I promise you it's not. It's literally uh, a term for strategy um, where you're buying a call in to put, uh, you're buying a call in to put out of the money, you're, you're doing some sophisticated stuff to put together a hedge against the, a stock or the market going up or down when you don't really know which way it's going to go. So let me give you an example. We just did a spread on Facebook going into earnings. And I want to break down what a spread is a little bit further. And I'll share with you this example. And we did a Facebook live and a YouTube live on the trade. So we'll, we'll post a link to that in the blog post and you can feel free to or look at the show notes and you can click on that link and you can actually watch the video from that. So what we did was Facebook was getting ready to announce earning earnings. And so we were able to take advantage of Facebook announcing earnings and reduce our risk by 40 percent. I want to say that again, we were able to reduce our risk by 40 percent and then the profit on the trade was 99%. Now, before I go any further, would it make sense to learn how to reduce your risk by 40% to possibly make 99% return? And that was like in 24 hours or 48 hours that trade um, we put on with Facebook. 
which was pretty sweet. And so the way that worked is um, we had reason to believe that Facebook would either meet or beat earnings. But have the stock ever announced earnings and then it still sold off? It's like the stock did great. They beat earnings. They met their revenue numbers and then they just sells off. And you're like, wait, wait a minute. What just happened? I thought that was good news. And then the same thing could happen in the reverse, right? Have you ever had a stock actually announce bad news, like bad earnings and bad results, yet the stock skyrocketed? And you're like, wait wait a minute, what just happened? Like, I don't get it. They had bad results. And so the market is funny like that. And that happens for a number of reasons. Uh, they could announce bad results, but maybe it wasn't as bad as people thought it was going to be. A uh, company can announce good results, but it isn't as good as the market wanted it to be. I mean, there's um, a lot of different things where maybe it was good and they don't like what the CEO said on the conference call about, you know, things maybe slowing down or something like that. So there's a whole bunch of reasons why a uh, stock could announce earnings and, and go well. But what we did with the spread was we we basically we there's three components to a spread, right? You have what the stock price is trading at and then it's what you can buy it for and then it's what someone can buy it from you for. And I'm just going to give you a random example. If you want to see the full example, uh, feel free to check out that Facebook live, but I'm just going to use like a a made up example. So let's just say the stock is trading at a hundred dollars. That's just an easy number for us to remember. And we bought an option, a $95 option for $7. So it's basically saying we could buy the stock for $95 and it only costs us $7 for the right to do that. So if you add the $7 to the $95, which is where we could buy it at, our break even would be like $102. And someone, we, we basically went in and sold the option for somebody to buy it from us at $105 for $3. So Take a pause. Think about what I just said. Stocks trading at 100. We have the right to buy it at 95. We sold somebody else the right to buy it from us at 105. Does that make sense? And so we paid $7 for our option, but we sold somebody the right to buy it from us for for $3. So we reduced our risk by 40% because initially we paid $7 but we sold the right for somebody to buy it from us for $3. So we brought in $3. So instead of us paying seven, we paid a net of $4. That's called a debit spread, right? Meaning debit money came out of our account, but instead of the entire $7 coming out, $4 came out because we bought one option and we sold an option, someone to buy it from us at a certain price. And so that is how we reduced our risk by 40%. And then when the stock did what it was supposed to do, we literally made about uh, $5 on that trade. So we put up four, we brought back uh, just under $5. Literally, it was like 99.9% return, almost 100% return on that. So oh, I think it was the reverse. We put up uh, five and we brought back four on the actual trade. But check out the link if you want to see um, how that worked out for us. It was pretty sweet. We reduced our risk by 40% and then we pulled in uh, a 99% return. And so I want you thinking about this as we wrap up this episode. I want you thinking about this. What, you know, what is diversification truly? 
Because when someone sells you on like you need to just diversify and, and, and spread your money around, but are you diversif- diversifying from a strategy standpoint and saying, do I know how to make money if the market goes sideways and down? Because we can't forget about those other two ways that the market can go. You can't just say, I'm diversified. And then I say, well, what happens if the market goes down? You're like, I'm just SOL. I'm just out of luck. And it's like, well, then you're not truly diversified then. And so I want you thinking about how can I apply? Well, first, how can I learn and then apply some of these strategies that we talked about? And obviously, uh, if you're looking for a place to learn that, I'm going to recommend Power Trades University. So feel free to Uh, check out our program where we teach you how to read stock charts. We teach you how to trade options. And then we teach you how to do some of these advanced strategies so that you can truly be diversified in every sense of the word, meaning you know how to make money if the market goes up, down or sideways, or even if it's not about making money, you know how to protect yourself with insurance in case of a stock market crash. So if you enjoyed this episode, do us a favor Leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you listen to us on iTunes, if you listen to us on Stitcher Radio, leave us a review. If you follow me on Instagram, if you're not, I'm at Brown Report. Always love when you come on Instagram and uh, give me a shout out. Let me know what this episode meant to you and how it may have opened your mind up to thinking about diversification in a different way. I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Money, Markets and Mindset podcast. We hope this episode has been educational and inspirational. To learn more about how to have your money work for you inside the stock market, visit www.thebrownreport.com.